I truly believe the educational programs put on by Saffron or, or any other sexual assault centers, it's the key for these kids to grow up in a different system. That was Laura Scherer Townsend, and this is episode 140 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today, we are pleased to welcome Laura Shara Townsend to the show. Laura is a 48-year-old hashtag mother runner of five children ages 10 to 18. She has a history in social work, currently operates her own business, and is the founder and race director of Survivor Fest, a 24-hour running event in Sherwood Park, Alberta, where she also resides. Always a woman on the move, Laura is also on a mission to run 50 ultra marathons before she turns 50 years old and is on a run streak that has lasted over three and a half years. In honor of Sexual Violence Awareness Month in May, we were privileged to provide Laura a platform to share her story about surviving childhood sexual violence and why she started Survivor Fest, a six hour, 12 hour and 24 hour timed race. In her words, the race exists to give people an opportunity to see what they are made of and support my local sexual assault center, Saffron Center. Her goal is to raise awareness and funds for Saffron Center's education program on sexual violence. Education is power and has the potential to positively change the world for the next generation. Laura courageously and openly shares her story of abuse and survival during this show. Some of the things she shares may be triggering to some listeners. For others, her story may give you the courage to reach out for help yourself or for someone you know. Please check the show notes for supportive resources. So, Laura, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. Honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you and I have had the privilege of meeting in person. You're just meeting Carolyn tonight. But although Laura came to be a guest on our show tonight because of a recommendation by a mutual friend, Amy, who was on our podcast in episode 125, uh, we actually met at the Lost Souls Ultra Marathon wrap-up brunch, breakfast, whatever whatever they call it, last September. So I was chatting to somebody, and I think I was in the line for food. And then you turn around to me, Laura, and you're like, oh! I recognize your voice. And I just about cracked up laughing. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have a voice that people recognize. I, some people want to hide their face and me, I can't hide my voice. So you are a um, long-term listener of the Inspired Souls podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. And I think it's, it's amazing. I'm very timely to, for, to have you on our show tonight. So thank you for coming on the show. Well, like I said, I'm really honored. And uh, yeah, a lot of your guests are, of course, inspiring because that's that's your title. But also a few of them are friends of mine that I've met through the running community because I am one of those people that has no problems going up to someone like yourself. Same. Oh, my God, I recognize, I recognize your voice. You. Oh, my God, I love that skirt. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> You're fun. This is be well, fun one of my tell. goals for every race I do is to make a new friend. And I never make just one. I I tend to uh, make a lot of friends, and that's why the uh, 
the running community has become um, more more like family. Like I go to a lot of the races and uh, it, it always feels like a big family reunion for me because I, yeah, I just love the people that it draws. And um, I think that is the first time I have ever heard someone say this, that a goal for my race is to meet a friend. And I think more people should do that. I think more people would get way more out of running, whether they're competitive or completely a social runner, if they decided to be intentional about yeah. making a friend. Yeah. Intentional. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. All right. So we already have established that you are a runner. You are an ultra runner because you are a lost souls. You're a very social person who loves the running community. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where, where are you coming to us from? And is there anything else you want us to know about you? I grew up south of Montreal in a farming community uh, in the eastern townships. And uh, so I was always outdoors, very active, riding horses. Um, in uh, school, I played soccer, a little bit of rugby. I was never the star player, but I was always able to make most of the teams. Just very active. And mm -hmm. uh, so now I live in Sherwood Park, Alberta, just outside of Edmonton. And I'm a former hater of running, which surprises a lot of people. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did ultra number 44. It was a backyard event. And I had to giggle almost every time that I started my lap because it started around a soccer field. And I thought, oh my God, all those times the soccer coach would say, okay, we're going to warm up and do a few laps around the field. And I would inside just like kind of, why are we running? We're going to run all through practice. And so I just thought it was so funny how here I am beginning the loop running around a soccer field where I absolutely hated <laughs> running when I was younger and uh so yeah it amazes me how much I love running now it really does so how did that happen tell us how you eventually fell in love with running so uh, in my mid twenties, I was working, uh, in social work and I was, uh, quite stressed out. Uh, I wasn't as active as I was during high school. And so I discovered, uh, some running clinics that were being held in Edmonton. So I went and, uh, took the running clinics, but still hated running. But then, uh, my husband and I found out that we were pregnant with triplets. And so then, <laughs> I love your guys' face. I guess I didn't put that in, in my little, like, no, my little well, blurb. How many, of, and you didn't mention how many Here's some you info have. about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, so, yes, I have triplets. Okay. How and, old are uh, they? They're 18. They're 18 okay. and they're actually graduating this year. And uh, so when uh, we were pregnant with triplets, we decided to keep one thing that was just for us. So mm -hmm. my husband uh, followed in his dad's footsteps and became a mason, which is kind of like a shriner, give back to the community, lots of traditions. And to this day, I still don't know why I picked running because at that point, I still hated running. <laughs> and so uh, the kids were just under six months old. 
Uh, I got mad at my husband, which hardly ever happens, but I got mad at him and I signed up for this running clinic. And to be honest, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. I met some great people. And so then it ended up that it was like a a social time for me, but also like an active time for me. So Mm. I, I say it was like a two for one deal in that I got out of the house. I won't lie. There were days when I would be driving to the, the running store and I would think, oh, you know, if I don't go to the running store, they'll think something is up with the kids. And if I'm not at home, my family will think that I'm at the run store and I could have a nap. And <laughs> nobody would. And then I thought, but then I'll be napping in the car and some police officer will come knocking on the window asking why I'm napping. And of course, so I may as well just go to the running store. Yeah, exactly. I might as well just go to the running store so that nobody worries about me. Which store was it? Was it a running room or a local it was running, a running store? Room. Yeah. It was a running yeah, room? Was a running oh, room. shout out to yeah. the running that room. That is the best origin. <laughs> story I have ever heard. Now, I'm looking down in your notes, so and you didn't put about the triplets, but you did put that you have five children. So you didn't stop at the triplets. You kept on going and had two more. Were they twins or were uh, they uh, singles? They they were, uh, we call them super singletons. Okay. <laughs> because uh, the triplets were identical. So they have like a beautiful, like identical triplet title, right? So uh-huh. um yeah, and then uh, we belong to the Edmonton Twin Triplet Club. And so then, of course, you learn all these different terms associated to multiple births. And so singleton was a word that you don't really hear much of, except probably in Twin Triplet Club or, or in gynecology. It's funny that I left it out because actually on when I'm first meeting people, I either tell them that I'm a mom of five or that I'm an ultra runner, but never all together during the first meeting because you don't then people are just like, them. no, no, You've this got a is style of crazy, crazy beyond crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. So I just either like, here's a little bit of this, here's a little yeah. bit of this, and let's not overwhelm people with my craziness. <laughs> Well, you are in the perfect place to talk about all of your craziness with a couple of other crazy mother runners and lots of our listeners can identify, I'm sure. Um, I don't know how many of them took up running when they hated it because they were mad at their husbands, like that's a unique combination, but uh, whatever the universe Clearly I didn't say mad because we had two more kids. Yes. (laughs) You didn't run that far away. No. All right. So one of the reasons that we we wanted to have you on the show um, this evening is to talk about Survivor Fest. So you are a race director for an event called Survivor Fest. Can you please tell us a little bit about what it is and why you started this event and its meaning to you? So Survivor Fest is a 6, 12, 24 hour timed running event. It started because years ago, I think it it was uh, 2017, I started a mission which I called uh, 50 Ultras Before 50. And basically, I was inspired by a gentleman down in Calgary, Martin Parnell, who ran 250 marathons in a year fundraising for Right to Play. 
So I heard about him. And then I think a little while later, I was invited to the school, um, my kid's school, because the local sexual assault center was contracted by the schools to come in and give educational programs to the kids about uh, preventing sexual violence. And um, being that I'm a survivor of sexual violence, all I could think about was how amazing this was and how if this had happened to me when I was a kid, like with the programs being in the school, what happened to me later on might not have happened Mm. because there might have been skills that I would have known how to, you know, get myself out of that situation. And so it really stuck with me uh, how amazing this was for the kids. And then uh, probably on a run, because that's where I get all these great ideas, I thought, of combining both the inspiration from Martin and how I could give back to the community and raise awareness uh, for our local sexual assault centers so that all these educational programs would be offered into the schools. No questions asked, no no question about whether the schools could afford it or not. And uh, so then um, I got going on the mission And then, of course, it was going really well. And then I was out on another run and I thought, what happens when I turn 50? And a friend of mine who happened to be a a fellow survivor had had an idea to bring a timed running event to Sherwood Park to raise funds for um, Saffron Center, the sexual assault center that does these educational programs. And when he first came to me, uh, my I had five kids under the age of eight. <laughs> and so I was a little overwhelmed. I was a little, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll help out any way I can. But right now I, I just, I'm just tapped out. I, and I can't remember if I started the mission to run 50 ultra marathons before I was 50 before or after he came to me. But I just know that, um, a few years later, uh, on this run when I was thinking what, what happens when I, when I'm 50 and my mission's over, I thought maybe I should start, we could start this timed running event so that we get it going. So that by the time I turn 50, the uh, running event is well established so that it, it, it just kind of t- picks up from where, where mm. uh, I left off. Mm. And uh, so we started survivor fest in 2019 and it it was a huge success that first year. I mean, we only had, I think, 35, 36 athletes, but we managed to raise some money for Saffron Center and the Association of Canadian Ultra Runners took note of, of two, two athletes uh, qualified for the inter, um, Canadian 24-hour team. Mm. And so then we were asked to host the 2020 24 hour Canadian national championships, but then of course COVID hit. (laughs) And so then we were postponed. And then the following year we thought we would hold the uh, Canadian national championships, but restrictions were back in place. So we ended up being able to pivot in a, in a, in a way that we were able to do a virtual event. And then last year was our second, live event and we 
were very successful. We had a woman come from Ontario who broke two Canadian records. Uh, a couple people qualified for the Canadian uh, 24-hour team again, but then they still have time. So it's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely a great opportunity for those runners to qualify because, uh, there's not very many timed running events here in Canada. So this happens in Sherwood Park, does it? It does. Yes. In Sherwood it Park. happens. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and yep. when is it? So it's the second weekend of June, the first year, uh, all the athletes went around a 400 meter track. It was fantastic, but I had a lot of people come to me saying, 400 meter track, oh, like I'm, you'd be running out in front of everybody. And then we also had, I had a couple of friends of mine who were athletes going after records and they were concerned about the amount of traffic that would be on the track if they were going Mm. for those records, because on the, on the track, they want that inside lane. And so if there's a lot of traffic, then they're having to weave in and out. And so then Mm. it got me thinking of, of how we could get some of that traffic off the track. So then we uh, formed what we call a loop B, which is a one mile loop that goes on the outside of the track. And then it goes out into the neighborhood and then comes back on the track. So oh. athletes still experience that track atmosphere, but they get a little bit of a, a, a variety with a little bit of sidewalk and, oh. um, and seeing the neighborhoods. Yep. And some yeah. spacing. Yeah. 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 yeah that kind of combines the best of both worlds. Cause what I hear from people and we've actually had guests on who've talked about this with the 24 hours is that they love it because the, it feels, and you have so much more, interaction with the other athletes whereas if they're the superstars out in front they might not see another person in their entire ultra marathon yes (laughs) right and so they like that and I'm sure logistically it might be a bit easier with aid stations and and that type of thing but then to send them out in the neighborhood gives them the variety that the track does not offer yes (laughs) right I could not imagine doing ultra on the track you're absolutely right because um because I my family's fairly is young. I tend to stay close to home for my races uh, within Alberta. Like last, a couple of weeks ago, I went out to BC and I was all like, whoa, this is awesome outside of the province. <laughs> and, uh, but um, the funny thing was when my friend and I went to look at different venues where we would have Survivor Fest, we looked at three different venues and this 400 meter track was the ultimate uh for me of really people are going to come and run 6 12 and 24 hours around and and yeah i i thought yeah sure i'll organize that because there's no way i would ever want to run around a track for <laughs> 6 12 24 hours and um and i honestly still didn't know very much about these timed running events but as I started doing research to prepare for organizing it I realized how the social part of it but I really didn't understand until I saw and felt that first survivor fest and how special it is because um one of the things that didn't draw me to running when I was a kid was because I I thought of it as a very individual sport. I thought of it as 
not very social, more for people who are very smart, uh, Mm -hmm. introverted. But now the more the more time I spend in the running environment, I realize how much of a team environment Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And especially Mm -hmm. these timed running events, because like you said, you're with these people for the next 6, 12, 24 hours. They see everything. Like they see uh, when you're up, when you're down. And I think as a mid to back of the pack runner, that's the part that really amazes me because, yeah, here I am running alongside my friend Oleg and uh, Wayne Gaudet. There are these guys who have qualified for the 24-hour team and gone and competed for Canada, but they are the most social athletes on that track. And they're, they start the relationship off right at the beginning where they're, they're bugging the other athletes, like not like in a mean way, Mm -hmm. but just like, so how many, how many laps are you going to do today? How long have you been running? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they start kind of like relationship building. Right. And then all of a sudden there's this conversation going Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're a little bit surprised and they interact back And then, you know, six hours down the road, this high caliber athlete is having a weak moment and this mid to back of the packer new runner is, hey, remember you, you said you were here to do this and this. And and so then they're supporting and encouraging that person, right, to keep going. And it's just, um, it's so special. And uh, it's and I understand now why these events are so popular down in the States. And it, you can see why there's a following because you end up becoming a family because mm-hmm. you've seen each other and you've spent all that time with each other on the track and, and gotten to know them. And Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I thought a lot about this. So Carolyn and I met and started this podcast when I lived in Winnipeg. And we both moved there um, as part of a military move, you know, not knowing very many people. And I very, very rapidly, very rapidly met a lot of runners and got into the running community. And you just made me realize one of the reasons maybe that happened is the very first event I did in Winnipeg, I think it was there like less than a month, and it was the Lemming Loop. And at that point, they had it around, oh, what Prairie Park? It's this little, I think it was less than... Oh, it couldn't have been more than a three, maybe even a two kilometer loop. And, and I did 50 K of that. And you're right. We were passing everybody all the time and you'd come in, you'd have conversations. I met probably six to eight of my long-term running of friends during that one event. Right. Um, and the relationships, it was like, it was like speed dating. Like (laughs) you got to know people so fast. Running is a relationship accelerator. It is. We've talked about before and and you're speaking to this beautifully at the event. So going back to this, this event, you called it Survivor Fest. Yeah. Is that the name yes. of it? Yes. So paint us a little picture. So I think most people can understand what a six hour and a 12 hour, like we, we have that concept of time, but it's, so it's partly on a track and partly in the neighborhood, but what would people be able to expect if they were to show up at this event in the second weekend of June? So there's 18 hours of music that's provided by a DJ. I guess I should start off with the tagline for it is a celebration of strength, sacrifice, and survival. A friend of mine uh, came up with that tagline, and I just think it's 
perfect because it applies to athletes, but it also talks to survivors. Yeah, so there's 18 hours of music. We have an aid station full of good good food. Our crew, uh, when we were doing up our um, team descriptions of each other, we realized that between the the race crew, we have over 100 ultras between us. And so we really love the running community and we bring a lot of that expertise in into what we offer, uh, especially uh, my friend Erica has has traveled outside of Canada to some races down in California and Arizona. So she really brings that expertise. And mm-hmm. I remember at the very um, beginning, she, um, oh, I think her name is Jewel. She works for Aero Vipa and she would, or Jubilee, she would say, Laura, you're going to be the Jubilee of Canada. And so <laughs> I don't know who Jubilee is, but all I hear is great things about her. And of course, uh, <laughs> I follow Era Vipa as well. Like I've listened to some interviews of Jamil and um, uh, what he has to say really appeals to me as a, as a parent, as a race director and an athlete. And so, um, yeah, I uh, try to really bring a, a personal feel. We all do to the, to the mm-hmm. event. And so even the first event when we only had 35 athletes, um, I remember there was um, another friend that was on our team. She's not on our team right now, but at the very beginning she was, and I'll never forget. It was a week before race date. And she was like, what? We only have 35 athletes. And I said, yeah, but that's okay. We're going to treat this event. Like we've got a hundred, but the bonus part of just having 35 athletes is we can personalize this and know Mm -hmm. every detail that they need. Like, um, Mm -hmm. What are their allergies? What are their goals? You know, I think that's part of me too, coming from a farming background. I I love community and I love like just those personal touches. And mm-hmm. so like last year we had a guy, Tim, that came up from California and I loved that, that I had the opportunity to FaceTime with his, his wife Melissa and so she's coming up to the race this year and we've already been like (laughs) chatting back and forth how we can't wait to see each other so like I'm really proud of that so Mm -hmm. even how I form friendships at races I've done the same thing at Survivor Fest so that when they come they know that um, we're wanting them to succeed like whatever Mm -hmm. goals they have uh, we want to make that happen right whether it's you know, completing their first ultra, uh, breaking a record, qualifying for a team. Like when we came up with the loop B, uh, there was some questions and the team discussed about only allowing the very elite athletes to be um, on loop A. And uh, oh. I felt mm. that, that that couldn't happen because uh, nobody can really know what a person is fully capable on race day so i mean Mm -hmm. we see it all the time in the ultra world where this person that nobody really knew on the start line completes a race and all of a sudden they're on a podium right so i believe the same thing for survivor fest yeah sure we've got athletes coming from far away and you know they've got records and they've represented the team but that doesn't mean you know necessarily mean that someone who's never even done an ultra before is 
uncapable of doing that, right? So um, there's no restrictions on those, that loop, loop A. So I'm curious, like you've talked a lot about um, athletes that come and do this race for athletic goals, right? Um, Set records and push themselves physically beyond barriers. But the title Survivor Fest means more than just that Uh to you. And I'm wondering, without sharing any confidential stories, you know, do you have people coming to your race that align just with the cause and the values and have their own personal experiences that they are wanting to, for lack of a better word, be part of a community of people who are strong and (laughs) accomplishing, you know, crazy feats of strength? You know, are there some connections made during your races that that last well beyond the race in that community? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, there are lots of stories that come forward and, um, it's always my message as well. Um, it took me a long time to, to share my own personal story. Um, but once I did, um, it was amazing. The, the power that came from that, like the strength that I've, gotten to be able to um share details that I never ever thought that I would but I also know the importance of that story and it being uh, a stepping stone to someone else admitting that this may have happened to them as well and so yeah uh we do have athletes that come and uh tell me parts of their own story or stories of uh, family members or friends that um, sexual violence has, has occurred and it's uh, it means a lot to me because I it's mm-hmm. it just confirms that this is why I'm doing what I'm doing you know to create that awareness uh, it's a tough topic it's especially hard when you open up the newspaper almost every day there's there's a story about a child a sister a brother you know the hockey canada story affected all of us and un- unfortunately it's still happening um covid was also especially hard on our on the kids in our communities you know being online and stuff and now yeah it's it's our kids that we really need to to be educating and and making sure that they've got all those tools and um i love it but i don't of course because it 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 hurts to know that someone else has been affected by it but i do i know that it's also the start of a journey of of healing of uh whether that friend is running for a family member or friend it's good energy and that's what it's all about. Um, I use the the hashtag beyond me too a lot because it's uh, it has a lot of power um, to move beyond that me too. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Laura. So starting survivor fest and, and your mission and your goals with that is very, very important as you've just shared. There are people out there that need to hear that there are, friends like you, safe places, yes. people who, who really get it, that they can talk to. So you've offered to share a little bit of, of your story. And I'm just going to give you that chance to do that right now for the people that need to hear it. Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, what happened to me was uh, when I was growing up, my mom was in a relationship with a man. And uh, 
yeah, um, I just, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I was caught in situations that um, were not appropriate and I kept it a secret for the longest time Mm -hmm. thinking if I said anything that relationship would dissolve and um, like her relationship with that man, but also my relationship with her. And so Mm. a lot of complex emotions. um, And as kids, we will do anything, you know, for our parents. And that's where the unconditional love comes into play. And uh, so I kept it a secret for a long time um, to protect my mom, to protect our relationship. And, and the shame that's associated with that, right? Thinking I was to blame, I had done something, uh, which now as an adult, I know is completely a wrong uh, way of thinking. And so it took me a really long time to finally open up about it. Uh, it was actually through um, talking to, to girlfriends, like in our... Mm early 20s and you find out how it happens to so many and nobody talks about it and again the shame just keeps building up and then you also start thinking that this is just the way things are that you grow up Mm -hmm. and this is the system right Right. and uh, it's not right and eventually the real moment of change for me was when I went home to a friend's wedding and the daughter of my perpetrator was there with her daughter. So it would have been his granddaughter and the whole, like all this wedding and the reception was going on around me. And all I could think about was, has he touched that little girl? Has he, Mm been in a situation right and so as soon as I I got home I started the process of like I went to the RCMP officer and filed a report Mm. and um and ended up charging him uh and I mean he only got two two years of house arrest but I remember you know when the RCMP would come to me asking do you think that there was anybody else and I said absolutely there was more like it's because by then I had also realized that it wasn't me. It was that it was him like, and him mm. wanting to continue that cycle of power and abuse. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I know just the type of individual he was, he was um, a high profile member of the community. He was married, but he also had affairs on the side. One of which was my mom like it, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. disgusting. I can't even believe that it was yeah. like even in my own childhood. Right. And I know that I'm not the only one that, that it's happened to. And that's why it's so important to talk about my story because again, it's a step for others to acknowledge, hold on something mm-hmm. like that happened to me or some, some aspect of it. Right. And knowing that they're not alone and that there should be no feeling of shame, guilt, blame um, at all, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's completely someone taking advantage of you 
um, and exerting their authority and power over you. And uh, yeah. it's the, the educational programs, I truly believe the educational programs put on by Saffron or, or any other sexual assault centers towards our kids, it's the key for these kids to grow up in a different system. Because yes. when, like, for instance, Saffron Center, when they go into the schools, they're not teaching kids about sexual violence. Uh, when they go in for grades um, one to three, they're just talking about consent uh, and saying yes and no. It's mm. all about very basics of, of boundaries. Same thing. Like, so then they would go into the schools for grades four to six and they would layer on top of that and start talking about friendships and what it's like to be a good friend and mm-hmm. um, relationship stuff. And then junior high, they layer on top of that, start talking about um boyfriend, girlfriends, again, more relationship stuff, uh, and start talking about online presence, being Mm -hmm. careful, um, and then high school again. And they, and in the, in the midst of this too, they're also talking about the resources of if your friend comes to you and has disclosed to you that someone has touched them or said something inappropriate, or they've seen something inappropriate where, where do they go? And so yeah. those that's that's the other part of it, right? Because I know when I was in high school, I uh, I told a girlfriend of mine and she didn't give me any resources and, and I don't blame her or anything. It's just nobody knows. Nobody knows what to do with that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at that time, to be honest, uh, <laughs> there was an incident at school where I got really, really drunk. And I had a teacher and, uh, during that time I had blacked out and, um, I had said some stuff, like I must've had some flashbacks or something. Uh, the teacher asked me about, uh, what I had been saying. Um, but then I never went to a counselor. Like, Mm -hmm. so even the teacher, I don't think had the tools of what to do with that information either right so it's all about yeah nobody wants to to hear stories about the abuse and the details of of what goes on but uh the only way for us to know how to respond to someone who's told you their story or something that's happened to them is by this type of conversation yes you know so so let me start by saying thank you for sharing your story. Like, well, thank I, I think you it- for for giving me the platform because I'll be honest, there's there's some some places I've gone for interviews and they don't they don't want any details said mm-hmm. at all. Like it's which I understand it can be triggering. I mean, like even for Survivor Fest, for example, I know there's some survivors who won't come to the event because they're not sure what's going to be on site and what may trigger them. At one point, uh, I remember we had spoken to Saffron Center about putting up little signs about statistics. And and then I decided, you know what? We all know why we're here. We don't need to go buy a sign every seven minutes of statistics or, you know, a quote or 
we put a we always personalize our our finisher jackets or hoodies with a per, um a quote from a survivor that mm-hmm. applies to both life running surviving but uh yeah so but that that humanizes it right like yeah. the quote and hearing somebody's story it's a privilege to hear somebody's story Aww, and it, it is that is not as you know, impactful, I don't think. And I think this is part of what you're talking about in changing the culture is that we have to be able to have these conversations and hear what people have gone through and know how to support them and and where to send them for help if if that is needed, right? And so I think what you're doing is just incredible. But one thing I wanted to go back to in your own story, I thought was really interesting and you're probably absolutely not alone in this I I would have to think is that when it was happening to you it's like shame shame I'm going to bottle this up I'm going to not tell anybody I'm going to really hold it in but what was almost the catalyst for you to relate to that experience in your life differently was the thought that this man was doing it to another innocent child oh yeah, right and that then activated your mama bear for lack of a better term. And I just think it's so interesting that that that's community again, right? When you're isolated, when it's just you, it's easy to ignore stuff and bottle it up. But when you see other people being impacted Mm -hmm. in that way, your Mm -hmm. desire to reach out and help is bigger than yourself. Yeah. And look at what you have created out of out of that experience. Like you said, no one wants to have gone through that and and have to have that experience but if you can turn it into something which you have like for good and and like a humongous um uh turning lemons into lemonade basically uh metaphor uh I think what you're what you've done is absolutely incredible and it doesn't surprise me to hear that it's it's grown and it's gaining traction and people want to come to this event because it just sounds incredible yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, and yeah, um, kind of as Kim was saying, there's there's a lot of elite athletes that come, but there's also um, athletes who want to get triple digits. They they're not able to get you know a hundred k at other races because maybe of time cutoffs or mm-hmm. um, or just safety. Like not everybody feels comfortable on a single track. <laughs> You know, in the dark with a headlamp. I love the it. Bear spray. Not does. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Well, and I think you highlight that there's something for everybody in your race, every type of athlete, every uh-huh. person ha- coming with their different reasons. I wanted to just loop back a little bit too to what you you mentioned that they teach in the schools of how to be a good friend and what to do if somebody comes to you. Yep. So there's two sides to that coin, right? There's there's the people who have been survivors of sexual violence. And then there's those, in order for them to feel safe, to share their story, somebody has to receive that story and be able to hold it and know what yes. to do with it. And yes. when they sense, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you do sense when when you share something delicate with a person, <laughs> whether it's, it's sexual violence or whether it's you know, any vulnerable story that you have to tell that that person is going to be a safe place and they are going to 
do the right thing. And so by by educating children how to be a good friend, you're empowering mm-hmm. both sides yep. of that equation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and which I think is so, yeah. so important. Thank you. Yes. And those conversations can happen on the trail too, right? Oh, yeah. And they oh, have. Yes. <laughs> yes, they have. Um, they have. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for all of us, I'm sure. So it's really powerful what you've done, and I'm sure your event will continue to grow. Like, yeah. like Carolyn yeah. just it's, said, it's really. Yeah. I still can't believe it. Like, even like this year is going to be our third live event, and uh, we we are hosting the 24 hour Canadian Championships again, and uh, like we have about a 50 50 of athletes who are brand new and. that have done, done year after year after year, because they just want to come back and be a part of it. And, uh, and, and they do love that the race is associated to a cause and it makes me proud. And it means a lot for me as well, that people are showing up. Um, it's interesting. So a little bit back to, to the year of COVID where, um, it got canceled. I participated in my first virtual backyard ultra in May, uh, our friend Dave Proctor, and it got me thinking, oh, I can do loops. And so then I decided I would run my own Survivor Fest event all by myself, because like virtually alone on the track for 24 hours, because I realized I wouldn't be able to run my own event, like organize it and run it. (laughs) Restrictions were in place, but I trickled it out to a few friends of what I was going to do on the track that day. And it was so awesome because it was almost like they had planned it, came in and went. And so Mm. I was only alone on the track for about four to five hours. So I ended up, that was uh, ultra number 29 and I ran 134 kilometers and (sighs) I broke down because the idea of I was alone with this secret for so many years. Mm -hmm. And here on this day, I was surrounded by so many Mm -hmm. friends and family. Mm -hmm. Now that's what it feels like every Survivor Fest is that I've got these people who are coming back and showing me, but also showing the community and Saffron Center what an incredible thing that they're doing. It's not a thing. Like it's just such mm-hmm. a service that they're mm-hmm. doing for mm-hmm. our kids and our community. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amen wow. to that. Well, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to have Survivor Fest in place so that when your 50 ultras, by the time your 50 came to an end, there would be something like a new chapter to move oh, into. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And so I was curious where you're at in your 50 ultras by the time you're 50 what number are you at how close are you to 50 like fill us in (laughs) so I completed number 44 a few weeks ago in salmon arm at the backyard ultra oh you uh, were there yeah excellent okay 44 and now technically isn't an ultra anything longer than a marathon or is it a minimum of 50k like how many of these ultras have you done that are like on the shorter side versus like the you just said 134 kilometers so that's funny that you should ask that because my friend dave during covid we went up to grand cash and we did a few 
um, virtual ultras to support some of the local race directors and to also complete some of my ultras and and have <laughs> fun. And uh, I I was always well, if we're gonna if we're gonna do a virtual ultra, it's got to be fifty. And he would always bug me and say, well, that technically you don't really have to do that extra six or seven, seven kilometers because yeah. an ultra is anything over four you know but yeah. for me it's always pretty much 50k at least 50. and what's the longest ultra you've done so 134k around the track um okay. ultra number 45 i'm hoping is going to be sinister 100 miler I've never done a hundred miler. Mm. Uh, I've been going to fast tracks and doing the speed workouts as much as I can because I am a little afraid of those time cutoffs. Yeah. <sighs> okay, is. wait. Just can you. I ask you a dumb question? <laughs> if you do a hundred miles, do you count it as three ultras? No way. Technically, no way. No. It would continuous. Be... <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 I know. I've even I did the uh, I did the goofy, and I didn't count that as an ultra at all because it's a half and a marathon, right? And I've mm-hmm. still got friends that come to me and say they they think that that goofy should be considered an ultra, yes. but. Yeah, with the 2 a.m. time to get up to run it, I'm like, yeah, it, it was, that was yeah. tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like near death, I did that last year, but I didn't ca- count it as an ultra because it's, it was, I think, 42 or something. So, okay. Okay. Very, very trustworthy. <laughs> so, so not only do you like to run a lot of races and races with a lot of kilometers, you also like to run every day. And yes. uh, as far as I'm aware, you are on a run streak, have been on a run streak for over 1200 days. Where are you at now? How many, how many days are you at? So after this interview, I will be going out to run my 1,301 day of running. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And so, uh, again, never thought I would love running to run every single day. <laughs> yes. But now I love it. Like, especially during COVID when everything was changing. Uh, I own a business and my husband's a teacher and I have five school-aged kids. So it was constant change of uh, everybody working from home. I couldn't work mm-hmm. for a little while because I go into a lot of people's homes. And so that daily run was just a beautiful constant for me of mm-hmm. being outside being active. And the funny thing is, is being that I grew up on a farm, I've always said good morning or good afternoon to people when I, when I see them. But during COVID, people would actually want to stop me to have conversations with me. And I'd be like, no, no, I can't. Like, I gotta, I gotta get my run in. I gotta get home. Right. But uh, it was really amazing to see the the difference in people and how People were very lonely during that time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Um, real briefly, what we asked you what you consider a minimum for an ultra. What's a minimum amount of mileage to do each day for so to maintain the streak? I, um, 
I started the run streak because there's a store in BC. I think it's called Capra Running, and they do a 30 by 30 challenge. Oh, yes. Uh, we had her on. Didn't we? we did. Yes. We <laughs> What's had Selena on we ha- uh, the show. We had yeah. Selena Green, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I'll have to go back and and search her up because I can't remember that one. But uh, yeah, so I started the 30 by 30 running challenge. I started it because I was starting to do heart rate training. And I thought if I run every day for 30 minutes, maybe that'll kickstart my heart rate and behaving better. And uh, after the 30 days, I did it with my friend, Deb. And after the 30 days, I said, I really love that. Do you want to keep going? And she goes, hell no. <laughs> and so uh, I said, okay, well, how about we change it? I'll, I'll do 30 minutes of running and you can do yoga or biking or because in the process, we also started a Facebook group that was a 30 by 30. So people just had to do 30 minutes outside of any sort of activity. We had some guy walking his cow for 30 minutes. <laughs> some people would go get their groceries, but it was just all about 30 minutes of activity outside. And so just kept it going. And I, I've just loved it so much. And then when I hit a thousand days, I bumped it up to five kilometers just because there were so many days where it would be 4.7. And so I mm-hmm. thought, you know what, I'll just get, I'll just bump it up to 5k now that I'm at a thousand. The only time I really regret that is the day after the ultras when that yeah. 5k could take me like 50, 55 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a like walk shuffle. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Cause I think the minimum, isn't it technically the minimum is like a mile or something, yeah. right? Like yeah. one, and one and a half k. I, yeah, when I first started it, I didn't know all those details. Uh-huh. And uh, the other thing is, I i don't know if mine would necessarily count, but everybody I've said this to, they're like, it counts, is that technically some of my runs I don't do within 24 hours. And so like after an ultra, for example, if I finish like Lost Souls, I finished at like three in the morning on Saturday, I won't run until Sunday evening, just so that I do give my body some time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be like 36 hours versus, but at the same time, I've just ran like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the the 24 hour clock. Yeah. 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 So you, in that case, you ran on the Saturday from midnight to 3 a.m. And then you ran the Sunday evening. So isn't that, that would count, I think. I would think it would count. Well, yeah, I'm that's not what a, I mean. Everybody yeah. I've, I've said that to, they're like, no, it counts, right? Because uh-huh. it's, it's calendar day. Even though yeah. 24, over 24 hours has lapsed, it's, yes. I'm pretty sure I make up for it with all the other yeah. We had another run streak er on the show and he would talk about sometimes getting almost 48 hours by like running <laughs> right after midnight one day yes. and right before midnight. And I've actually done like, that as well, right? where <laughs> I look at my watch and I'm like, oh man, you know what? I think I'm going to do a two for one and just run from Oh, there you uh, go. Eleven thirty <laughs> yeah. at night until you know the next day. Well, they, and then, yeah. yeah, 
Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's <laughs> well, Laura, it's been a sincere honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. I know that there are people out there that needed to hear it. And uh, thank you for everything that you're doing with your race. And good luck in a few <sighs> weeks, a few short weeks. Yes. Yes. Thank you so yeah. much. And uh, I hope that I can do this again. Part two. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Now, if people want to do the race or find out more about Survivor Fest, where can they find you? Uh, so Facebook, Survivor Fest 24 uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we just got our website updated, so it looks spectacular. And then uh, myself, I'm 80KLJ on Instagram or Laura Cher Townsend on Facebook. Excellent. And reach out for anything at all, mm -hmm. like whether it's to ask about shoes, socks, uh, <laughs> running communities. Um, yeah, I, uh, I love it all. You can never have too many running friends, right? Never, ever. <laughs> <laughs>